Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our truth partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a truth partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. How many of you believe God's given you gifts? He's given you gifts, but I don't want my gift to operate outside of his presence. I don't want to be doing something, and you can do that. You can use the gift that God gave you and use it outside of his presence. I don't want to do that. And um, many times God speaks privately. He speaks publicly. and People can witness it. But I don't want our church to be a church where, you know, I go into green rooms at different churches and I hear people talk about, how God used to do this and how God used to do that. Man, the presence of God was so strong in this and that. And, um, and it's almost like this haunting of where God used to be and what God used to do. And may that never be said of us. May we never be a church where God used to be. Man. May we never be a community of faith that God's presence used to reside and doesn't anymore. May it never be said like, oh man, and you know, in the early, you know, 2020s, man, creative was so, God was there, but now it's not. I, may that never be said of us. May we just grow in him as a church. May we grow in him as a community of faith. May we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. And that happens because you fall in love with Jesus, not a person, not a personality. Um, sure, Lord, not a building. But as a community, we fall in love with Jesus more and more. And may we May we just grow hungry for him, that, that his presence would never lift off of us, that we would, that we would, as a community of faith, never choose lesser lovers. But we would choose him. That all of us, even as a church, even as business people, that we would never choose marketing above prayer. That for your business, that you wouldn't value marketing over prayer. I'm, I'm pretty sure our church is going to take a little bit of a sabbatical from social media for a bit. Just so you know, and I'm not, I'm not against it by any means. I'm not, I'm not attacking it. I'm just saying, you know, you might have to find another way to find out what's happening here. And 
in the kingdom of God, um, the only way to keep your possession is to increase your devotion to Jesus. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no place where you reach in Jesus where you're like, I'm going to stay here. If, if you don't increase your love for Jesus, you'll lose what you have. If you do not increase your devotion, you'll lose your possession. My wife, Pastor Joanne, when I first started talking to her, I started talking to her like once a week. And if we just stayed on that once a week, it would have died. So it went from once a week to every day. And if it had stayed on just every day, like once every day, it would have died. So then it had to go to multiple times a day. And if it had just stayed on multiple times a day and not increased, it would have died. So then we had to get engaged. And if we just stayed engaged and never got married, it would have died. So then we had to get married. And then we, then we had a kid. And then we had two kids. And then we had three kids. And then four and five and six and seven and eight. And then hopefully grandkids. So it has to increase. If it doesn't increase, it will die. You don't reach this place in a relationship where you go, let's just stay here. And that's what we want. We want to get to this place in Jesus where we just camp out. My time with him, my love for him, my heart for him, I'm just, I'm good. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to hell, so I'm good. But he wants more of you. You can't just sit still. And the only way to keep what you have is to pursue more. To grow in your devotion, your purity, in the word, in your time with Jesus. To carry the glory of God in your life. How many of you want the glory of God in your life? To carry the glory of God in your life. The, the, do you remember in the Bible where they were carrying the ark of God, which represented the glory, and the ark took a bit of a, it, 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 it didn't fall, but it, it, got on, it got shaky, and one of the priests reached out to, to steady it. What was his name? Uzzah? Uzzah. And, and when he touched it, God killed him. He died. Because they were not allowed to touch the glory. So how they would carry the ark is they had these wooden poles that they put through these gold rings. And these gold rings represented the eternal nature of God. And they would put that wooden pole on their shoulder. And that wooden pole represents the cross. That you cannot touch the glory. But you carry the glory by carrying the cross. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your and follow, follow me. You will never be able to carry the glory in your marriage. You will never have the glory of God in your marriage. You will never have the glory of God in your business or in your life if you don't daily pick up the cross. And people want the glory, but they don't want the cross. They want to reign with them, but they don't want to suffer with them. 
And one of the ways you crucify your flesh is getting up in the morning and going to God in prayer. A man that doesn't pray is a man that sins. And a man that prays is a man that doesn't sin. It's just that simple. Because you cannot live this Christian life in your flesh. You're not going to be able to do it without the cross. You're not going to be able to do this without prayer. The kingdom of God is not built on try hard. The kingdom of God is built on yield and surrender. Praise the Lord. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our truth partners. If you're interested in being a truth partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select truth partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. Now, how many of you want the glory of God in your life? Come on, right? Don't you want the glory of God in your life? So it comes down to you. That's what it comes down to. I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, I want to be in leadership. I'm like, do you pray? Do you pray? Do you get up and pray? I was like, I don't trust you. I don't trust me if I don't pray. I don't trust your flesh. I trust Jesus a lot. So if you'll die and let Jesus live in you, we're great. But if you're going to try and do this without him, I can't do it. Because managing your flesh is exhausting. Because it gets moody. It gets offended. It acts out. And the only thing you can do with the flesh is kill it. I'm doing that right now, going to the gym. I'm in the gym five to six days a week for an hour. Listen, listen, it's awful. It is awful. I hate all of it. All, I don't like any of it. And I'm in there six hours a week. And the change is like, I'm like, this earlobe looks a little thinner. This one here. And that's six hours a week. Do you know what? Because it's not, it's, it's one, it's working out. Soon you're going to have to, I'm going to have to increase that. Or, or, or how I do it has to increase. And then all the other hours outside of that hour, of those hours, matter also. So it's not just the hour or two hours you're here, but what are you doing with the other 23 hours, 24 hours that you had today to grow in your walk with Jesus? Because if I work out and then I just go eat little Debbie's, it's not gonna work. Come on, am I just being practical with you? So we have to start with prayer, and this is the Lord's house. And he says that his house should be called a house of prayer, but we don't, we, we can't call it a house of prayer unless it's first his house. Because we don't know how to pray. Jesus. Look at Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for. Put it on the screen. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not. Everybody say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray for. Many of you, if you, how many of you ever had life hand you something and you go, I don't know what to do about it? Raise your hand if you ever had that. If your hand's not up, keep living. Because life will hand you something and it's like, if God's like, what do you want me to do? You're like, I don't even know what ought to be done. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to ask you for. And this is what life does. Life hands you things. And Paul goes, you don't even know how to ask. You don't even know what to pray for. But the Spirit, everybody say the Spirit. Spirit. Keep my verse on the screen for it for another minute. It says, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit. The answer is the Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6, it is not by might nor by power, but by my We must understand that certain conditions in church have to be, have to be right for him to move. And a part of that learning how to host his presence is, is learning to yield to the Holy Spirit and giving the Holy Spirit lordship over our entire gathering this morning. Amen? And it's really hard to predict him. On the other hand, he remains faithful and constant. It's really hard. And I think when we walk through these doors to think that we can get God and know God's will down to the minute is crazy. John 3 and 8, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's like the wind. Who knows where it comes from? Who knows where it's going? And you're going you're gonna to plan every minute of the service? Plan the wind. How are you going to plan the wind? That's what Jesus says the Holy Spirit's like. How many of you want the Holy Spirit in your church? Okay, then you need to go to a different church if you don't want the Holy Spirit in your church. Who in here does want the Holy Spirit in your church? If you want the Holy Spirit in your church, okay. I want the Holy Spirit in our church. Well, that's like trying to plan the wind. If we're going to try and plan it, it's better to not plan it. It's better to invite it. If you want the wind in your home, what do you open? You open all the doors. You open all the windows. And you just say, Come. You just create room, you create space, you create opportunity. He moves according to his will. What are you saying, Pastor Jonathan? I'm saying we're going to have to take some risk as a church. We're going to have to take the risk of not having our service planned down to the minute. We're going to have to take the risk of communions at the end or it's or it's in the middle, or the beginning, or we pray for deliverance right off the front, or I don't preach, or I preach the whole service, or worships the whole service, or worships one song, or I don't know. Because it's the wind. And we're going to have to take some risk as a church family because I don't want them to pass us by. And if we don't do that, we'll end up being a church 
where we live on yesterday's manna. And if you think you walked into a church where everybody's just going to make you happy and perform for you, I guess you're just at the wrong church. I'm sorry. We just did not come to entertain you. We actually didn't think about you at all. When we planned the service, we, we thought about him. And we invited you. We, we didn't think about you and invite him. I think I'm going to start ministering to teenagers more. And, and even the kids. We're doing this kids thing coming up. What's the date on that kids event? Put that back up on the screen for me. Um, there it is. August 20th. It's a kids night. There will not be any inflatables. There will not be a petting zoo. There will not be snow cones or cotton candy. We've done it all and we're not against it. What that night is, is a night for our big kids, our kids ministry, and parents to come. And I'm going to be ministering at it. And it's a night for us to prophesy over children and to pray for children and to worship with children and to see our kids get filled with the Holy Spirit and give them a word that changes their life forever. Maple Grove Days can offer a petting zoo but they're not going to prophesy over your child. They can give them snow cones, but they're not going to teach them how to access the presence of Jesus. And as a dad of eight kids, that is worth more to me than gold. I think there's just an anointing that comes on your life when you love young people and kids that nothing else gives you. There's just a glory in watching young people worship. It really is. There's just like a glory in that, like just a sweeter presence to watch young people who are not ashamed of Jesus. So I don't know what's going to happen to the services, but the Lord is, is wanting to move, and the clock is not the Lord. It's not God. I'm not going to let the clock control everything. And the anointing is either driving towards us or passing us by. And I want to position us as a church to be touched by Jesus. And I don't know what that price means. Maybe some people don't like it and they leave or, you know, I don't know, but what I do know is he's telling us that we need to die to some of our own structure. And I think that starts in our home, too. I think that starts in our homes. To create space for the presence of God. I have to do it, guys. It's really hard. It's not easy. Like, and sometimes I feel like I'm the bad guy, you know, telling my kids, you got to be home by this time, you know, because we got to you know, we're going to make time for Jesus tonight. I'm t you know, I don't, I don't care. Well, so-and-so's going out, this and so-and-so, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what's a priority in their house, but I'm telling you, you know, it's for me and my house. You're going to be home at this time, and we're going to, we're going to spend an hour with Jesus as a family. 
and we're getting up to pray. And I, what I do know is you can't go to bed late and get up early. You can do it once or twice. You're not going to live like that. I'm talking to you about a lifestyle. You're not always going to be in my home. What am I going to teach you to get up early and pray when you're 30? I'm not going to live with regrets of not teaching you to pray. If I give you anything, let me give you Jesus. If I teach you anything, let me teach you to pray. If, if you stay close to Jesus, God will teach you everything else that I failed to teach you. Everything else in my life as a parent that I failed to teach you, he will teach you if I teach you Jesus. David did not have a father that loved him. And David said, God taught my fingers to war. He taught me how to be a man. He taught me how to be a warrior because my own dad rejected me. God will teach your children everything they need to know. But if you fail to teach them Jesus, you have robbed them of the greatest treasure you could have ever given them in their life. So I beg you to be here on the 20th. Because one touch from Jesus can heal a child. If one demonic touch of molestation can wound a child, you can't tell me one touch from the Holy Spirit. One touch from Jesus cannot heal a child. And we want to flow in his presence. I know I want to flow in his presence. How many of you want to flow in the presence of Jesus when we're here? We want to, I want to flow, but my Lord... I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, I want to flow. And I could tell they looked back at me like, like it was a topic. Like they wanted me to teach them the topic of flowing. It's like me teaching you. I'm going to teach you today on Pastor Joanne. How do you teach a person? You just have to experience them. You have to experience them. You have to do life with them. You have to spend time with them to get to know them. It's a matter of developing a history with Jesus. And how you know to change the song is because you learn that in your bedroom. And how you know how to preach now or wait, or we're going to pray for people first and then preach, is you, you learn that in your bedroom, in your time with Jesus. You learn to wait on him. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord. Sometimes I just get up in the morning and I just, I just, I'm here. I'm just going to wait on you. You know when you wait on somebody, they're valuable. I told my sons the other day, I was like, you will wait on a woman most of your life. Get used to this because I was waiting and I told them you see how I'm waiting this you're going to do this one you're, this is your life you're going to wait 
wait on the Lord. Do you know I'm waiting on your mother? Because I don't want to go without her. Because I love her. And it's not about am I ready, is she ready? And some of you are not willing to wait on Jesus. Because you're ready and you're ready. You're willing to go without him. I'll go to work without him. I'll go to school without him. I'll go do whatever I want to do without him because I don't love him. And I'm fine spending my day without him. Learn to wait on the Lord. Because he doesn't just renew your strength. He is your strength. When he's with you, he gives you joy. I wait on my wife because being with her is joyful to me. I wait on the Lord because the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's my strength. God, I'm weeping again. And he has to be experienced. The only way to know when the worship set should be over is to listen and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Most churches just sing 15, 20 minutes and it's over no matter what. You know when the set is over because you learn that in private. The only way to stick clear to the gospel when you preach is to know that Jesus is sitting in the room and he's watching you. He's trusting you. reason we have tough conversations with people and the reason we have difficult conversations with people is we're trying to protect something that is more secret than what the world sees it's more precious than what the world values it is his presence is more valuable than your eyesight And I don't want the Lord's glory to walk away. And very few people, listen to me, very few people in the Bible and even in history have had the glory and lost it and never got it back. It's not something that you can play with. And we got it and we don't got it and we got it. And we... When the Holy Spirit comes in your life or in a church, it's very noticeable. There's all these signs that God gives you when he comes. Cloven tongues is a fire. It came as a rushing mighty wind in Acts 2. There was cloven tongues of the fire. They spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Or when, when the Holy Spirit comes in your life and in a room, there's all these signs. 
But he told me in prayer this week, he said, son, there's so many signs when I come, but there will never be a sign when I leave. If he leaves your life, he, he, just, he just leaves. And you will not know it. You'll be like Samson, who the Bible says he did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed. You won't know it when he leaves your marriage. You won't know it when he leaves your life. You won't know it when he leaves your business. You won't know it when he leaves your family time. And then all of a sudden you try to do something and he's gone. So his presence becomes so valuable, so precious that we don't treat it haphazardly or chaotically. But we try to say, God, what do you want to do? We don't ever want to be a church or a people or a family or a marriage where we used to have your presence and it's now gone. And I don't know what people think his presence is or his hand on your life is a sign. Oh, we look at the stadiums that are filled or look at the following I have on social media as if, as if these things are signs that that God's hand is on your life. There are more people who defy God that can fill stadiums. Filling a stadium does not mean God is with you. There are people with millions of followers on social media who have nothing to do with God. Having followers does not mean God's hands on your life. And I watch churches, and it's like churches, and it's like, wow, look at that church, and it's so big, and it's so this, and it's so that, and look at the following, and look at all these kind of things. But then when you start to talk to them, it's like there's no tears that flow in their heart. And the tone is different, and their, their voice is different. And I watch even people within the church, and it's like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. And, and, and it's like they don't get up early anymore, and they, they, don't, they don't have that heart to pray. And... and and they just fill their life with all of these things. And, 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 and they just fill their life with things that, that are not him. And church becomes a checkbox. And a, run us through, pastor. You know, get us in here and get us out of here. And we have a form of godliness. But we deny the power. We deny the wind. That's what we never want to lose. Say, Jesus, may we never lose the wind. And there's so much entitlement in the church. There's so much of it. There's so much, well, I grew up like this, so I must have this. This is not a family bakery. This, you don't just get the family business because grandmama knew Jesus and mama knew Jesus. You have to know Jesus for yourself. Even my kids, I told them, I said, you know what? You're not going to get the glory just because I'm a pastor. You've got to know God for yourself. You've got to have a hunger to want to know him for yourself. Psalms 109, verses 1 and 4. Right, it sounds, it says, do not keep silent, O God, of my praise. 
For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened up against me. They've also surrounded me with words and hatred and fought against me without a cause. And for return for my love, they are my accusers. This is it. But I give myself to prayer. I give myself to prayer. In Hebrew, in Hebrew it means I have become prayer. I have become prayer. Everybody say, I have become prayer. I have become prayer. Luke 11 and 2, it, Jesus said, when you pray, everybody say, when you pray. When you pray, say. Everybody go, say. say. When you pray, say. Don't, don't say until you've begun praying. Prayer is bigger than than saying. Wait for the activity of prayer to begin in your heart and then speak. Most of us speak and we never begin praying in our heart. And prayer just becomes this thing and it's just dead because prayer is not just what we say, it's a posture of who we are. And we've limited prayer to saying and speaking in such a small portion of prayer. So he says, I have become prayer. I'm not just saying a prayer. I have become prayer. If prayer is just something you say, you'll never pray. It has to be who you are. You have to become prayer. You have to become a prayer. Your life becomes a prayer. What do you call somebody who runs? What do you call somebody who runs? What do you call somebody who gardens? What do you call somebody who prays? A prayer. You have to become a prayer. Your life, your life has to become a prayer. And it's the secret place of Jesus. It's the secret place is what he's after. The secrecy. I gotta hurry, but Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your prayer closet and shut the door. And he says, and your father who dwells in secret, your father, he says, when you go in secret, you will find somebody already there in secret. Jesus lives in secrecy. Oh, my God. He lives in secrecy. When you go in secret, when you go in to pray, your Father who dwells in secret, Jesus dwells in secrecy. He's not with Elijah. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He was in the still, small, 
there are some things that God wants to tell you that he doesn't want you to tell anybody. And if you post everything that God tells you, you weaken and destroy the trust that your father has with you. If Chris posted everything I told him, I would be cautious of what I told him. You're not intimate with people who tell everything. There's some things that you should know that God told you that you write in a prayer journal that your kids read about you when you die. And you mess up your life when you forfeit your secrecy. Oh, Jesus. You mess up everything in your life when you forfeit the secret place with Jesus. What happened with Samson? Samson was fine until he told Delilah his secret. Because his secret was between him and God. And his secret was his glory. It was his glory. Whatever you trade your secret for, the enemy will use to destroy your life. If you trade your secret time with Jesus for work, the enemy will use work to destroy your life. If you trade your secret time for a relationship, the enemy will use that relationship to destroy your life. I don't know if I'm helping anybody in here today or not. But there are some things in Jesus that are strictly for you and him. You're telling everything that you know about God and you're, you're, you're keeping in secrecy your relationship with Satan. You need to expose everything that's sin and hide in secrecy the things that God has given you. When you want to tell everything that God has given you, a lot of that can be rooted in thinking His praise and His glory is not enough. And I need the accolades of man. And you sell your birthright for a bowl of soup. Because knowing him and keeping the things that he tells you secret should be enough to bring joy to your life. Praise the Lord. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.